wherever you are. Hello, listeners. Hello. Are you one of the listeners? Just I'm claim not. it. Just, just be that. I'm sharing the greeting. Oh, hello, Erica. Hello, Sean. Welcome. Thanks. After the day you've had, uh, I haven't even asked you what uh, happened, but no, it took no. a long time. <laughs> I'm sorry. And there were lots of sighs when you walked in the room. It was one of those days. It was one of those days in the emergency department. Hey, for all of us that don't work in the emergency department, thank you for working in the emergency <laughs> department so that when people are bleeding and upset and falling apart and goodness knows what else, mm. there's someone to fix them. Good for you. <laughs> That's a really good thing, right? I got an email today from someone who listens. You know who you are, listener. And she said, oh my goodness, Sean, after the here's to the nurses, you sounded so, what was the word? It wasn't good. It was like bereft or defeated, I think it was. She said, how are you going? I said, well, you know, <laughs> ups and downs. Some days are easy, some days are tough. And I thought, man, it's been heavy. It's time for the counter narrative, right? Let's talk about something a bit happier. Now for some good news. Hey, now for some good news. Can I start with a bit of a story about me? Please. Which is not a good news story. No. I was a very nervous kid. You probably wouldn't think looking at me and how cool and suave I am now. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, ever. thank you. Yep. <laughs> right on. Target. And um, there was this one time my parents went away for the weekend, which they never did, ever. And I think this was the first time they did. And they got home late. And as we were waiting for them to come home, I started imagining a worst-case scenario because, you know, they had crashed and rolled down the side of the mountain or they'd been abducted because this is South Africa and these sorts of things happens, or somebody had shot them up or, you know, this is where my brain went as a nine-year-old, eight-year-old. Wow. I know, right? The contrast is overwhelming. <laughs> that's not where you laugh. It's who said, that's right, Sean. Sorry. Try again. <laughs> and right. um, the contrast is overwhelming. That's right, Sean. Yeah. So I got sent along to a psychologist because Sean is really an anxious kid and needs some kind of help. And I sat in this office and there was this lady, her name was Oranel, and she was a psychologist and she sat behind this enormous desk. Well, it mightn't have been that big, but I was little. So it looked like this enormous desk and she smoked. And I remember her sitting there holding the cigarette with the smoke curling up toward the ceiling as she looked at me down from her high seat and it was really freaky and really interesting because as a kid, I had no idea what was even going on. But then one day, she handed me this card and she said, this is South Africa, Sean, what do you see on this card? And I looked at the card and I said, I see bats. Because the whole card was covered with these bats, like with their wings touching like a pattern of, of these evil looking bats. And she said, keep looking at the card. What else do you see? And I opened it and it was, she said, don't read the message because it was like, happy <laughs> birthday aura. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went back to the front and I kept on looking and she said, what's in between the bats? And in between the bats, I hadn't noticed, but, but all the blank space in between the bats were these swans, these beautiful white swans with their wings spread out wide flying through the sky. And as I had looked at the card, all I could see mm. was the bats but it was this, this wonderful double image of the light, which was the, the beautiful swans, and the dark, which was these evil-looking bats. And being the anxious kid I was, bang, straight, I went to the bats. And she said, Sean, she had a deep voice, in case she hadn't realised, Sean, everywhere in life we have an opportunity to choose. Do you look at the bats or do you look at the swans? So I thought we've been looking at bats a fair bit lately. So let's look at the swans. Let's, let's pause for a moment. 
And as well as all the difficult things that are going on in the world, let's acknowledge that there's a lot of beautiful things going on in the world as well. Mm. And so we thought, why don't we share some good news stories? Have you got one that you'd like to share with us? I feel like I should give some credit to where this comes from. Oh, you should. So I get this newsletter, I think, from these, can I, can I name it? No, no, definitely not. Yes. I want to. <laughs> you okay. should. You should. Give them a plug. This, okay. is a, this is our bibliography. Okay. So a newsletter from these guys, maybe the guys aren't called Future Crunch. And that's their names, Future and Crunch. Listen, buddy. <laughs> anyway, if you look up Future Crunch, for the people who are listening, it's awesome. And it comes as a compilation mm. of good news stories. The best of it's, news from the week. It's so good. And it's not only good news stories. These are some good news stories that you probably haven't heard. Mm. And we all need that right now. We just do. It's so easy to access the bad news. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> Synergy. Go for it. Well, what's one that excited you? Okay. I feel like this is maybe a little bit out of left field for people who live here, but there are some listeners coming from New York, and so I'm going to share this one. It's from about New York. Staten it's Island. From, yeah, no, it's <laughs> called Staten Island. Oh. At the turn of the century, Staten Island's landfill was the largest garbage dump in the world. Ah. Uh, yeah. God three bless times New York. <laughs> three times larger than Central Park. With Imagine this. Trash mounds that were 20 stories high. Wow. That's really high. Higher than I think anything we have in Hobart. 20 stories. Okay, that's quite a visual, isn't it? Yeah. A trash mound higher than any building in Hobart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dear. And they go this on is how long ago? Uh, at the turn of the century. Wow, okay. That's 2000. Oozing noxious <laughs> methane. I think they're talking about the previous century, right? Was that 2000 or are we talking 1900? No, it would have been, I think it was just 20 years ago. Oh, really? Can you just let me finish? Sure. The, let me finish because then... This is my I'm lips being zipped. Into, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put it into context. Oozing noxious methane and leaking bin juice into waterways. That's how they described it. And today, it's a green oasis and one of the most unlikely urban ecological restoration success stories of all time. They buried it planted grass, and did nothing for 20 years. There should be a visual to accompany it. Where is Staten Island? Like, How does a big steaming heap of garbage just survive and then get turned into grassy hills of methane? All you have to do is bury it and you plant some grass on it. Do you know the wonderful, wonderful sporting grounds in Kingborough where I live that I, I, we do cricket on? They are all on the old garbage. See? And it's beautiful. But thankfully, they put like a, a metre of dirt on top of the garbage so, you know, needles and broken glass doesn't oh. <laughs> make its way through <laughs> the surface. Well, good work, Staten Island Rejuvenation Grass Team. Do you have one? I sure do. All right. So, sticking with my African theme, there's this, this article about elephants. Hang on, I've got to find the article. I wasn't going to get it all messed up. Elephants, right? Poaching has been a huge issue in Africa for, for yonks. And um, elephant populations have dwindled and dwindled. And in fact, in 1989, they reckon the elephant population in Kenya was down to only 16,000 elephants, which might sound like a lot, but it's not. And I don't know if you know anything about poaching in Africa, but they've had to go hardcore on it. So now the park rangers, like when we think of park rangers, we think of people walking around saying, this is a platypus. <laughs> it's very cute. And if you make this, you know... 
park rangers in Kenya carry AK-47s and are there to kill poachers. Oh. Like that's their <laughs> that's in their job description. So you've got these guys walking around protecting the elephants and protecting the space. And since 1989, so what's that, 31 years ago, they've doubled the population of elephants in Kenya, which is not something people actually hear about. And it's not just that the population has doubled, but they've also reduced the amount of poaching going on. It's unbelievable. I'll just read the sentence. Number of elephants poached in Kenya in 2020 is down from previous years. Just seven elephants this year compared to 34 last year and 80 the year before. That's amazing. So these hard-nosed, crazy-eyed, poaching, killing rangers are walking around protecting these elephants and they are thriving. Thriving. How good's that? That is really good. Yeah. And in fact, (laughs) this is very unfortunate for those who don't have an African ear. The tourism minister, his name is Najib Balala, in, in the classic PR stunts, he's tagged a bull elephant. Can you imagine a politician tagging a bull elephant? Like that seems like a fairly dangerous thing to do. And he got to name a, a pair of elephant calves. He said, right, we're going to have a national naming competition. You can name elephants that you want to name. So people have been, been submitting their names and the winners, so everyone pays money to enter the competition, and then that money goes toward training crazed rangers to kill poachers even more. Crazed sounds negative. I feel like we need to... Okay. Training, hardworking, <laughs> salt of the earth, sniper rangers <laughs> who kill baddies and protect elephants. There you go. That's cool, man. That is I cool. mean, not if you're a poacher, but what a great story, right? That's no, la, la, la. No, no, ba, ba, ba. What is his name? <laughs> Balala. How about you? Any? What other ones? Yeah, can I steal one that you told me? Yeah, sure. I love this. I did hear about the fuel... The oil leak, fuel leak. Oh, that's a good story. I know, I okay, know. you I'm tell sorry. it. Okay, that's uh, not from that Future Crunch. I just found that well, on the ABC. Well, yeah, I heard about it. I don't know how. In in one of my moments, I of told looking for you. No, Erica. no, not give me. I heard about it otherwise because maybe they came up on. Tell me the story. There was fuel oil. Is that a thing? I think we call it oil. It says here fuel oil. Okay. Anyway, there was an oil leak around Mauritius. And dolphins were dying. That's why I heard about it, because there were all these dolphins that were being killed in this in the oil spill. 4,000 tons of oil. That's a lot of oil. This is a good news story, Erica. I know. Okay. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm sorry. Se- I'm, I'm being very interrupting. Stage. I'm setting the stage. Mm. And it's not that far from Australia, Mauritius. How far away? 9,000, I'm going to say kilometers. I'm going to say kilometers. But hairdressers across Sydney who are sweeping up their floor and collecting the hair, those piles and <laughs> pillows of hair. <laughs> pillows? Yeah. Is that the don't collective you, noun for I hair? I don't know. Isn't that what happens? Like when you watch people sweep up that hair, don't they you put think, it like, in pillow what do you cases? do with that? Okay. What do you want to do with it when you see that happen? Does, doesn't it occur to you like stuff up? I want to throw it away really quickly before my boys collect it and keep it <laughs> for their whole life. <laughs> they have bags of hair in their cupboards. We've they had to negotiate. Okay, they don't. That sounds much more normal. You should tell them about this story. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's ship it off to Mauritius. See? So they've been collecting all the hair mm. from the floor. They've been stuffing it into massive stockings, so they have actually been making pillows out of it. But they're calling it hair booms, and they're using that to absorb the oil. And that's crazy. And that is just so much better than the alternative, which is creating like sponges out of petrochemicals and going through the whole production of that. Isn't that and, amazing? And making more pollution, etc. I love that. I think that's great. And, and they collected 10 tons, That's 10 tons of hair from Sydney's salons. It blows your mind. 
that's a lot of hair. I th- <laughs> I actually think you should tell your boys and figure out how to. I contributed it over. nothing to that. I guess my beard might help, but my head is really <laughs> not going to contribute much. You could do some serious damage to that ten tons. I you could go Sinead O'Connor. Ooh. Okay, too much, <laughs> too far. <laughs> I got another one. Sorry, is there anything else you want to add about no, hairdressers in, in Shidlani? Okay. This really amazing research they did, basically testing the premise that during lockdown, during the world getting shut down, everybody's lonely and everyone's isolated. And some researchers said, ah, you, you guys aren't getting the subtlety. There's a difference between isolation and loneliness. Isolation means you can't get together with your friends. Loneliness means you're really disconnected from the world and you're sad. So they said, we don't think that isolation has actually led to more loneliness. Let's do some research. So they did some research and they found that before the pandemic, two-thirds of Americans said they were often or always lonely. Just bummer for a moment. Mm. But hang on, this is a good news story. And they found that through the process of isolation, there was initially this spike in loneliness, but then people's sense of loneliness and disconnection has actually slightly decreased. Overall, it hasn't changed much, but it's actually slightly decreased as people have realised, hang on, my connection to other people is important. And so they've started to prioritise Skyping their friends. And, And we got to have dinner parties with people all over the country and Skype people across the world. And it's made no difference whether we're next door or, you know, 10 hours drive away. We've just connected the way that we have with everyone else. So I know for us it's been awesome. And it's researched across 26 countries. Loneliness has slightly improved. That's just really kind of mind-blowing. I have one closer to home. Not okay. that that one's not close to home, but my first one about Staten Island, I feel like that was a bit remote for a lot of people who are listening. But, but the Sydney hairdressers was helpful. So yep. You really brought it back. Okay. I'm okay, gonna, let's I'm bring one right back to Lennon Valley. N- no. Mount Stewart? Australia. Oh, okay. Just give me an Australian <laughs> general. Researchers from Australia and Sydney, you don't know this one yet. This is a surprise one for okay. you. Have developed a 3D micro-printed camera on the end of a wire that's small enough to scan images from inside the blood vessel of mice. Why do you care about that? I'm about to because tell you. Because mice have really attractive internal blood vessel artwork. So No, no, listen to this. So that's no thicker than a human hair. Huh. So this is a scanning camera. Yeah. They're now thinking that it allows monitoring of the arterial plaques in people. Sorry, arterial. Oh, sorry. Plaques. Is it the build-up? Oh, the plaques. The Q-U-E? Yes. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Which, the reason this is important is because this increases our understanding of the thing that kills more people than anything else, which is heart Heart disease. Heart disease. Yes. How's that for a good news story? That's cool. So we can scan their plaque, not yeah. just on their teeth, but in their <laughs> heart valves and vessels and not yeah. their valves. You know, plaque build up in your... Do you get plaque build you, up in your valves? You can. Oh, that's a bummer. Yes. That's amazing. It is amazing. So less mice will die of heart attacks. <laughs> Listen, you share one then. Fine. No, I think that's a lot of good news stories. It is. It occurs to me that all these news stories are like when you buy a car. So you know how you're looking at cars and then all of a sudden when you're on the road, that car that you're looking at, you just see everywhere. Yes. Like all of a sudden, where did they all come from? They weren't all there yesterday. I didn't notice them. We have this filter in our brain, right? We can't take in all the information that the world delivers to us. It's just too much. So we have to choose which information we take in. We have this filter that we apply. And as a psychologist, my job was to help people kind of fine-tune their filter away from the doom toward the, the happiness in life. Away from the bats and to the swans. Hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> I liked that story. That was a great story. 
Thank you, Oranel. Clearly, this made a lasting impact on me, right? But this whole filtered process, it's what we do and we can't live without our filter. So I guess if we can't get rid of the filter, we just need to be aware of what we're actually filtering mm. out and what we're letting through. And at a time like this, we need to let some of the good stuff in and we need to start filtering out some of the bad stuff. Otherwise, we're just going to drive ourselves insane. Ready? Here's the quote that I came across. Yeah. Optimism is a choice you make and a skill you develop. The mind is just as malleable as the body. Oh, do you want to unpack that for a moment? No. Okay. I'll do some quiet processing. <laughs> I guess I'm going to stretch more and try and be optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what you should do. Okay. We, should, we have control of our filter, right? We choose what we let in. Let in things that bring you joy. Yes, let's. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Sean. 